Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. You see, we've been preaching about Joshua, right? And we've been preaching from the book of Joshua for the last couple of weeks about leadership and what it takes to get to the other side, what it takes to get to the next level. We've talked all sorts about Joshua and crossing the Jordan River, which looked a lot like what's on the screen right now, and how difficult it was, and how it wasn't just Joshua, how the priests, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, right? They're the ones who took the step in, right? They carry God's presence, right? And we talked about how we can't get to where we are until we leave where we are. So we have to leave somewhere to get somewhere, spiritually. We talked about that. We talked about leading from the front, by example, and not leading from the back with authority. There's a number of of things we've learned from Joshua. And I told some of you, there's an interesting scripture in Joshua. It's in chapter 3, verse 4, where we talked about splitting the Jordan River. And it said in there, God commands them to hold the Ark of the Covenant. And it says, in the it's his exact number here. In the King James, you'll see it. It says 2,000 cubits. Now I asked you, I said, if anybody really cares about what this means, come ask me. Who did? Can you raise your hand if you came ask me? No, there wasn't anybody, because maybe that wasn't interesting to you. Who cares about 2,000 cubits? I told you that we've done some math, and we can, we can talk about, is it a mile, is it a half a mile? What distance is, is 2,000 cubits? Why was it important that, that the priest carried the ark 2,000 cubits in front of everyone else? I wanted to know why. And we came up with some spiritual reasons like having God's presence in front of us and everybody being able to see God's presence. You know, we, we preached that and we went through that. But 2,000 cubits? I mean, he's, he gave an exact number. Why? Why didn't he just say a, a ways in front, a while in front? He said 2,000 cubits. So I start going on the Google. That's how pastors search, by the way. And I'm looking for 2,000 cubits. I want to know why, what's the significance? Give me the number of feet, the number of miles. Give me the distances. You start recording those. You start looking in Scripture. Where else does it talk about cubits and sizes? And it does in very few instances. When it talks about Noah's Ark, he's very specific in sizes. When it talks about building the Ark of the Covenant, he's very specific in sizes. When he talks about building the temple, he's very specific in sizes. So if his temple's important, his Ark's important, and... Noah's ark's important, then surely these 2,000 feet are important. I just couldn't figure it out. So I continue to study. I start looking at multiples, 1,000 cubits, 3,000 cubits, 4,000 cubits. And the Lord very quickly said, it's not that complicated, Sean. And now I want to share with you what this is about. So to be very simple, to to finish up Joshua, and this I think is going to be the last week I preach on Joshua. And I'm actually going to move from Joshua today. 2,000 cubits. Well, would you know that the Jordan River, which looked like this, when it was flooding, this is what they needed to cross. It was a lot wider than this, in fact. This is not a picture of the Jordan. This is a picture of some river in, I don't know, Kentucky. And so you look at the Jordan River and you start looking at where it's located, Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee. It has measurements. People have measured the Jordan. And would you know that at one of its widest points, the Jordan River is 4,000 cubits. So I say to myself, well, now that's starting to make sense. If God told the people to carry his presence 2,000 cubits in front of the people, 
Then when the priest stepped in there and they walked 2,000 cubits, that means they were exactly halfway before any of God's people stepped in there. They were exactly halfway. They had God's presence exactly halfway in the Jordan before the people stepped in there. You see, don't you and I, don't we want God halfway in the middle of our mess before we get all up in it? So often we're all up in our mess. We're all up in there trying to solve it, trying to fix it. We're 2,000 cubits in the middle of the Jordan drowning, asking for God to come in and help us. But the Bible's clear. He says, send me in front of you. Get me in the middle of your mess. And why say the middle? Why not in front? Why not behind? Because you remember when he got to the middle with the Ark of the Covenant, he told him to stay there. And all the people passed God's presence to get to the other side. You see, this is a physical representation. You will have tragedies. You will have calamities. You will have issues in your day to day. And when you do, God is saying he wants to be out in front and right in the middle of it. And then with his presence, he wants you to get a hold of that and he wants you to move past him because he wants you to move past your problems and he wants to move on to the next thing, going into the promised land, going going into Jericho, going to these other areas that he wants to take you. So that's the physical. And we've talked about the physical. We had you up here on the front pews taking a step out, stepping into the Jordan. We've done all those things in the physical. But what I realized about this 4,000 cubits, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Somewhere else in Scripture... God said, you can cross the Jordan this way to go to the other side. It will take you about 4,000 cubits. But there's something else you can do with the Jordan River. And so for that, I want to share this with you. Now, why wouldn't you step in this? Well, one reason is it looks like it may kill you. That's one reason to not step in this. The troubles of life get difficult. But there's another reason that people don't want to get into the water with God. There's lots of reasons people don't want to get in the water with God. All sorts of reasons. But on the physical realm, here's one just to get you going, get you excited about what this message is about. Okay, I think you get the picture, right? There are all sorts of reasons why you won't go deeper with God. You take one step in, go, ooh, it's too cold in there. And you know how it is. You start tipping in the water, and you go, ooh, and you get a little deeper. It's cold. You may even get back out. Or how many of you got in cold water in a pool? You get in the cold water, and you get about this deep, and you're like, ooh, it's too cold. I'm not going. It Don't splash me. How many of you have done that? I've done it. And then my kids come up behind like, Psh! Get them wet. Get them wet. That's kind of what we try to do at church. Some of us are afraid of getting in the water. We're afraid of going deeper. We're afraid of getting in over our heads, giving it all to God. In the physical, it looks like this. I don't have a video. I wish I did. Griffin, my son Griffin, the little one that says God is good all the time when he prays, you know, he... He's not a good swimmer yet, and he's around pools all the time now, and so I'm worried about him. I'm worried if he falls in, what's going to happen? And so instead of putting floaties on him, we're trying to teach him how to swim. And we've done the best we can without a pool, but we went to go to training lessons, you know, kids first swim. And he's going to these swimming lessons, and we, we train him how to, you know, be safe in the water. And very quickly, we realized that he loves the water, except he doesn't want to get his face wet. Drives him crazy. Kicks the water, gets in his eyes, he doesn't like it. 
And one of the things you have to learn in this kid's perspective is you have to put your face in the water and you got to come out. You got to put it in and you come out. You gotta put it in. And then they want you to go underwater and come out. Uh, this is, this is not, the, he, no, he goes, no, it's not for me. He does, honestly, does that. So the wife's like, husband, you gotta, you gotta get him in here, right? And so I've been telling him everything. I've been offering food, treats, cookies, stars, toys, nothing will do it. But recently, he stuck his head in the water. Recently, he just did this. And I don't know exactly why. It's hard to get into the mind of a five-year-old. But I brought him into my office before I went away. I had to work, go away this week for work. I brought him in my office. And I said to him, Griffin, I need to tell you something. There is something taking place underwater. You can't see it from above. When you get Underwater, you can even open your eyes and you'll see a whole new world. What? There's a new world under, yes, it's a whole new world. And I hear this week he stuck his head and took a look. Hopefully he'll tell us more about what that's all about. But I want you right now to turn to Ezekiel. I put it on the thing, chapter 47. I want you to turn here and I'm going to start reading it. And I want you to know this. Now, I'm reading from my story translation, New Living Translation, because it's very easy here as a story. And in this, it's going to talk about a distance. In mine, it gives a, a feet measurement. But know that the distance is one cubit as I read this. So 47, verse 1, I'm going to start there. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. The man then brought me outside the wall and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the east. Measuring as he went, he took me along this stream for one cubit and led me across. The water was up to my ankles. Verse 4, it says, He measured off another cubit and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another cubit, it was up to my waist. Then he measured one more cubit, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Heavenly Father, right now I pray that your word of God will be a two-edged sword. I pray it pierces the unbeliever. I pray right now it gets into their spirit and shows them something they've never seen before. Father God, I pray for the believer. It creates good soil, toils it up, Father God, and allows your seed to get in real rich and deep and grow your fruit in Jesus' name. The church says, amen. God is good and all the time. So you see, right now, Scripture is talking about a river flowing from a temple. And this river, this man, Ezekiel, saw, and another man walked him to the river. They walked a little bit in, it was to their ankles, a little bit more to their knees, a little bit more to their waist, and pretty soon he had to swim. If you want to know what this is all about, I want to read the next part because it's a very interesting scripture here, verse 6. You can read in your Bible, it says some translation like this. He asked me, have you been watching? I ask you today, are you watching? Are you watching? Are you paying attention? 
Listen to what the scripture says. Then he led me back out along the riverbank. He led me back. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert. Say this river. This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Many of us today have some deserts in our life, church. We got some, we got some problems that seem pretty dry. Some of us also have some dead seas in our life. Some areas where things are dying, some areas where we hang out too long, we start dying a little bit. People around us, fears of influences, family, friends, work conditions, we may not be able to get out of, out of our control. The reality is, is we're constantly going through deserts and dead seas. But this river wants to change that. This river wants to flow through that. This river flows through the East Desert into the Valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its water will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Say this water. Go down to verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of this river. The leaves of the trees will never turn brown and never fall off. They will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, in fact, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food and the leaves for healing. You see, church, when this river flows through the deserts, when this river flows to your dead seas, it's not a natural river. It's a spiritual water. This water brings life. It's clear. It brings healing. It's clear. And you know where it flows from? This river, it flows out of the temple. What is the temple? Well, the temple is God's church, of course. That's where we're at. God wants his spiritual river to flow from the church. He wants to provide for it and his provisions be distributed through the church. We talked about that last week. But also the temple, the Bible says, is our bodies. Individually, we are temples of God. And the spiritual rivers need to flow in and out of us, church. Are you following me? We need to be bringing life to those around us. But we can't do it by ourselves. By ourselves, you will fail. By ourselves, you will not change the Dead Sea, nor will you flourish in the desert. You must have this river. Are you following? Unfortunately, church, when I say are you watching, many, many today around America are simply just watching. They're not getting in. They're a little scared of the church scene. Scared of the Pentecostal charismatic movement. Scared of the healing. Scared of the worship. They prefer to just watch it. They prefer to just hear it and see it. In fact, maybe just on TV would suit them just fine. Many, many just want to watch and not hear and see. Some of you today, in fact, you may be here as a skeptic. You may dress up and talk to me nice and say, praise God. But deep down inside, you may be saying, well, when I see something or feel something, then I'll know it's true. I prefer to just watch. Are you watching? Are you watching? God wants you to be paying very close attention. Two, two car accidents in the last week, two people walked away. 
Every unit on our ceiling and our roof has been replaced. Are you watching? The scripture then talks about, well, when you step in, you'll step in, and your first step, your first step, well, it'll just be to your ankles. The next step, to your knees. The next step, to your waist. And finally, you'll be in. Let's go back and look at it. It says here in verse 3, the water was up to my ankles. This is how we all start. Christianity, spiritual walk, spiritual journey, whatever part of faith you're at, but no different with God. When you step in with God, you just step into your ankles. It's like, it's like opening your Bible for the first couple of times. It's like coming to church for the first time. It's like responding to God early on. You basically, you get in the waters, but it's, it's, at your, it's at your ankles. Now, you may have a visual of that, but for me, the visual is very clear. Here's what this looks like to me. It looks like this. When you're in your ankles, you're in the spiritual kiddie pool. They kind of call it a wading pool. Now, now, don't mistake me. For little kids, this is very exciting. They love these kiddie pools. You set them out in your yard, they jump in, it's refreshing, it's new, it's exciting, it's inviting, it's different, it's, I can cool off. I can even do some discovery in there. I can see what splishing, splashing feels like, right? I can put my toys in, see if they float. Oh, this is different. Are you following me? It's how church is at first. And it's very, very safe. Parents want it that way. Kid falls in a little too much, they just stand right back up, no problem. You can do whatever you want in the kiddie pool. There's really no restrictions. Parents get in there, they do it with you. In fact, they sit down, they play, they have fun like this. I have some bad news for you. You know this because if you buy a kiddie pool, it's on the instructions. But kiddie pools are really not for adults. They're for the kids. And we do it all around Kingsway. There's like four kiddie pool churches happening right now. On purpose. It's fun. They're discovering. Jesse and Chris and Bridget and all the nursery workers that are back there right now, they help lead these things. And we do this on purpose for our kids. But how sad will it be if that's the only church they'll ever know? How sad will it be if that's the only experience with God they'll ever have? There must be more, church, right? You see, there's little resistance. There's little resistance in the, in the kiddie pool. The water, it doesn't, it doesn't push back. You can do whatever you want. And so we let our kids run free and have fun and play with very little resistance. The next verse says this. I went another cubit, thousand cubits. This time the water was up to my knees. This is when you go past that initial offering of church. You start making friends, start making connections. We talk about making connections with people. This is our first step. Getting out of the kiddie pool, make friends amongst the church. You may even connect with a ministry or a small group. You may come sometime besides Sunday morning. You may get to enjoy it. You may join a ministry. You may also start to associate with other Christians and be happy about that. Like, oh, yeah, I want to be friends with Christians. You can call me a Christian too. That feels good. This is where maybe you start singing worship songs and mean it. This is when you maybe pick a home church like Kingsway. You're up to your knees. So my physical representation of this one for you, this one's good. It's the hot tub experience. 
You see, when you get into the hot tub, it's generally about your knee height. And then what you do is you go, mm, this is good. And what do you do? You find a corner and you just snuggle on in there, don't you? You sit down, make sure it's nice and comfortable. You got your little space. No one too close. Everyone far enough away. I got my seat and let the bubbles do their thing. This is a lot of how we are in church today. I need to get comfortable. Find my seat, find my place, find my group of friends. Who can I talk to in my hot tub? And who do I not want in my hot tub? And Kingsway, you better turn the heat up because I like it hot in here. And if it ain't, I may find another hot tub. You know, it's about rejuvenating. And a hot tub experience isn't always bad. Look, I have a bum leg right now. I'd love to get in a hot tub. It would make me feel good. Right? You, there are experiences when you walk with God where you need a hot tub experience. All churches should have a place where people can get connected, get associated, get comfortable, have fun, say this is mine. And it's expected. When you're an adult, they expect you to get out of the kiddie pool and they expect you to get into the hot tub. It's just a natural thing. If you hang out in the kiddie pool too long, especially if you don't have kids, that's weird. And when you get into the hot tub, everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're here and have, you can relax, you're going to have a good time. People then join in. You can fill a whole hot tub. We went to a hot tub. My wife and I, we were in Disney somewhere. The hot tub was the size of a giant pool. And it was the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, I mean I'm telling you, you could fit 50 people in this hot tub. It's a big giant. And here are all these adults all sitting in a circle like kumbaya, just like, <sighs> like I'm thinking, what is going on here? Something about the hot tub, though. My kids know it well. Well, it's age appropriate, right? You can't get in the hot tub if you're too little. This little kid probably shouldn't be in there. And there's little notes on the hot tub. Don't get in when you're pregnant. And you can only stay for a short period of time. It's important. Body temperature rises. You see, the hot tub was never intended to hang out forever. I read this on a blog, an Al Song blog. It says it like this. It has a purpose. It was never intended as a place to stay a long time. Sadly, it seems that so many American Christians never get past the spiritual hot tub. We sit and we soak in Bible studies and in music. We listen to our favorite preachers on the radio or on TV. We buy inspirational books. The fellowship is quite nice. Sometimes in a hot tub, it's a place to hang out. But you see, it's not a place to explore. It's not a place to discover or take risks. If the water gets less than ideal, we find another place. We find another place that meets our needs better. And thus we have an illusion of movement when really it's still all about us. If you really get the picture in the hot tub, after a little while, something soon happens to you. You want more. You want to explore. You want to swim. You want to get around other people. You want to go to deeper water. You see others in the big pool. The Holy Spirit begins to open doors of ministry for us and leads us to step into a more productive life with Jesus Christ. Maybe we feel led to teach a class, minister to the youth, do some work around the church. It's like whatever we begin to see at this point, we want it to get done and we're anxious until it is completed. The problem is some of us realize at that point that we're not ready to get up in front of people. 
We don't know if we're ready to teach others. We can come up with lots of excuses, and none of them are really as good as we try to make them. You see, at this point, we only have a knee-deep level of commitment. There's some resistance in the hot tub, but not a lot. You can get out pretty easy. God is saying to you, and I hope it's clear, step on a little further. Draw closer to me. This is the 2,000 cubits. It's clear. Read it. In the original Greek, read it. Or Hebrew, in this case, is. or Yeah, Aramaic, Hebrew, I'm not sure. Ezekiel. Go back and read it. It's 2,000 cubits. This water they're talking about, it's in between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. It's very clear. It doesn't name it by name, but it names it by location. That's the Jordan River. God is saying, if you go 2,000 cubits into the Jordan River and you're heading down, not across, but down, you'll only be about knee deep. This is the experience you will have. This is the experience some of us will only have. But there must be more, no? Well, the scripture says there's a lot more. Let's go on and look. It was now up to my waist. They moved another thousand cubits, 3,000 now. It's becoming challenging. The water is a lot harder to move in. It requires more time, more energy, more focus. We're now in the big waters. In my mind, when I read this, I think of this. I think of treading around in some Amazon river. There's a lot of resistance now. It's hard to move forward fast. You can't do it. It's hard trucking. You know what? You can't see your feet when you go through a river this deep. It's a little nerve-wracking, isn't it? scary. In fact, many of you may be, I'm not going to go that deep. You think for the little ones, it's too scary at all. I'm not even going to let them touch the water. It's interesting here. It's a subtle Bible nuance. But when you're in this deep and you can't see your feet, you can't see what you're about to stumble on. You see, just because you pursue God with all of your heart and soul, you love him with your mind, your strength, that doesn't mean you won't come to spots of stumbling. And they may hit you by surprise. If you are, that's because you're probably knee-deep in it, or waist-deep, rather, and that's okay. Look here. When you're in this deep, waist-deep, People may even begin to call you foolish. What are you doing walking that deep in the water? This hot tub is so much better. It's more comfortable. It's more safe. And all our friends are hanging out in it. What are you doing running solo in the deep waters? Pastor James May, he, he says it like this. You're not just going and hanging out anymore. You're now teaching a class or you're starting a ministry. God has now called you into training for leadership within his church. Now you have to read your Bible more. You have to study more. You have to pray harder. You have to be concerned for a part of God's work that he has entrusted you with. But rest assured, as you begin to try this, you wade out into the water up to your waist. You're going to face, you're going to face some opposition. As the Holy Spirit leads you in a deeper walk, there are going to be obstacles in your path. 
There will be those who will not commit themselves and will tell you you're foolish for being so radical. There are those who won't agree with your conviction or your method. There will probably be those who will even try to convince you that you can't do what God is telling you to do. There will always be those who wade out in ankle-deep water who never get in, in fact. They are usually the same ones trying to discourage you, trying to tell you not to go into waters like this. Where are you in your walk? I considered ending here, singing some songs and getting you excited. But this week, I couldn't help myself. I have to go deeper. You see, the water underneath doesn't look so bad all the time. You just can't see it. There's a current, something happening under the water that we can't see. It's not all bad. Now you're past halfway. It gets a lot more exciting at 3,000 cubits. And make no mistake, if you're here part of Kingsway and you begin to, to wade this deep, we're not going to let you fly solo. We're going to help you out. We'll put some life vests on you. We'll give you some training. We'll pair you up with somebody who knows what they're doing. We'll do the best we can. Sometimes we'll get it right and you'll tell us we're really good at it. And other times you'll think we're crazy and don't know what we're talking about. It may be true. That's why we need you. Help educate us. I didn't know nothing about throwing a healthcare fair until I met Eric. He sure did. But I had like four life vests on in that thing. But you know what Eric was doing? He had life vests on three, four, five, six years of college. When he followed the health fair, he didn't look like this. He looked like this. You see, he dove right on in. And he said, we're going to do this We Care Health Fair. And we're going to do the best one Kingsway's ever done. He dove right in. No life vest. Knowing that God was going to work all things together for good. Some of us need to take off the vest, church, and see what God really has for us. The scripture says it like this. It's the next one. The river was now too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. You see, when you get in this deep, even Eric, when you're in this deep, he can't do it all by himself. He's outside of his own ability. In water analogy, he's going to need a snorkel or he's going to need scuba gear when he starts swimming real, real deep. So he reaches out to those professors. He reaches out to the professionals. He reaches out to other businesses to come help, come join in. And you know what else he does? We get down and we pray about it. And we ask God to join us in what we're about to do. Finally, Ezekiel was carried out in the water that was too deep for him to touch the bottom. And he had to swim. When you get committed to God enough that even the plans you make become scary. That's when you're getting in the deepest walk. That's the place you must learn to depend upon the leading of the Holy Spirit more than ever because you know you can't do what God's called you to do on your own. When you're this deep, you have to go beyond your own ability. Ezekiel has gone so far from the shore, he can no longer walk back. Whatever the river flowed, there was Ezekiel. And there he was going. I don't want you to start yet, guys. I, want, I, I really want you guys to hear this. The current was so strong, the volume of water was so great that Ezekiel was in over his head. He was going wherever the river was taking him. Still, God was carrying him. He was in no real danger. God was still in control of the water and in control of his life. 
Most Christians will never experience this freedom in God, never experience this joy and trust that comes with this commitment because they love the hot tub or the shore too much. Many of us refuse to leave our comfort zone. We refuse to stretch and grow beyond what we can see. Our faith is never exercised to the point where we have complete peace, no matter what God throws at us, like those car accidents or this roof situation. Some of you have got in waist deep, maybe even neck deep. It's time to go deeper. When Ezekiel was this deep, his will was surrendered to the will of the river. He was going wherever the river took him. God wants us to lose sight of ourselves and our flesh and our own fears. He wants us to be totally 100% committed to him. You see, in the hot tub, it's about connecting with people. When you get into the water waist and neck deep, when you get in there, it's about connecting with your purpose. God has something for you this deep. He's got a reason you're in there. He may put a vest on you, but he needs you to understand what you can do that other people cannot. When you take the vest off and you go this deep, it's about his power, church. He's doing something you could not do on your own, church. And if you're doing it on your own, you're not this deep. I got more. Do you want to hear more? If you don't, we can play the song. I got them ready. Okay. The scripture says this. Have you been watching? That's the modern day way of saying, are you paying attention? 1,000 cubits, 2,000 cubits. 3,000 cubits. Now we're 4,000 cubits. If you went across the Jordan, you'd already be out of the water. But if you go into the Jordan, 4,000 cubits, now you're swimming with the Holy Spirit. It's as if God is saying, now you choose. You have physical problems. You want him to split the river? He'll split it for you. Get to the other side. Move on about your business. But if you want God's will here on earth, as he told us to pray for, you may need to get yourself up in that river. It's not dry land there. Spiritually speaking, we need to go with the flow. We need to be in the Holy Spirit. We need to be moving with him, sensing with him, allowing him to guide us, church. It's as if God is saying right here, I told you 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. How deep do you want to go? Church, do you know what the secret to revival is? I ask all the time, all great pastors and evangelists and spiritual people. To me, I just sum it up like this. The key to revival is getting deep with your Holy Spirit. It's God's people getting to a place where they're so committed to Jesus and his call in their lives as they can possibly get. Revival, now listen here. It isn't for the ankle deep people because they will never catch the vision for what God wants to do. They will never have a complete trust and faith in God to accomplish those things that seem well impossible. They only sit by and they may even grumble because the church isn't growing or because they don't feel anything as though it was God's fault or even the pastor's. 
Revival isn't for those who are only willing to get knee-deep in God's work. They may sense that God wants to accomplish something great in their lives. They may even catch a glimpse of the vision God has for their ministry if only they would commit. But they will never experience the real power of the dream of the Holy Ghost because they're not willing to surrender to his will. Walking in water that is only ankle deep requires, as I mentioned, little effort. The force of the water against your step is minimal. You can easily get out and get back into your own will. Since a lot of people never get more than ankle deep, you can see why so many live a shallow Christian walk. And they're blown by every wind of doctrine that comes their way. These dear people rarely hear the voice of God. Instead, they listen to every other voice and hear everything that they want to say to make them feel good and justify their shallow walk. That is not what this scripture says for us to do. Walking in that water up to your knees, it requires a little more effort and a deeper commitment, but not for long, you see. As comfort begins to creep in, the heat goes away. You may just sit in there, and now you're sitting in lukewarm water. And we all know what God says about lukewarm, don't we? In my mind, these two categories, ankle-deep and knee-deep people, they need to hear this quote from President Teddy Roosevelt one more time. I put it up on the screen so you can see. But he says it like this. Far better is it to fail in the attempt of great things than to take rank with the weak, timid souls who know neither the glory of victory or the agony of defeat. It is only those who get at least waist-deep and ultimately get in over their heads in a deep commitment to Jesus that will ever really experience the glory of victory. For some of us today, it remains to be seen what God can do with you if we only would get a little deeper. It remains to be seen what he can do with some of you. And I don't mean this in a negative sense. There are children who grew up and they got out of the kiddie pool. They got into the hot tub. They continue to grow up. You saw them graduate right here last week. And now they're going into deep waters. I watched with my own eyes as they went deeper what God can do with them. You guys, us, we're no different. We must go deeper. The church will experience revival when we as individuals agree to go deeper. I want to share with you just a couple seconds here, and then I'm going to wrap this up. What does going deeper look like? What does it look like when you're really, really deep? This is a whole other sermon. You aren't ready for it. I'm not ready to preach it, but I will give you a couple hints. What does it look like? It looks like unashamed worship. When you are flowing in over your heads, it may not feel safe. I don't know what I look like. I don't feel normal. I'd rather be in the back. I don't want to be up the front. You can get a better idea of what it looks like by even just looking at some of our children worship the Lord. Unashamed worship. It looks like bold proclamation. I'm not saying loud. You don't need to be loud with everybody you go to. But you must proclaim who Jesus Christ is in your life and the one who's leading you in Jesus' name. There's a lot more at stake, church. When you're in deep waters, you can barely breathe, church. You know that life is changing right before your eyes and you're in over your head. There's more at stake in this world, church.
radical sacrifice. When you leave the shore, you leave those behind. You leave the safety of what's going on around you. You get involved with people and ministries you know not. It requires a sacrifice to what you love and what you want to do with what God needs you to do, church. Amen. It's about an essential love. You see, in the hot tub, it's self-gratifying. We find a place that makes us comfortable, makes us feel good. When you're in deep, it doesn't feel good all the time. And you know what? It's not about making everyone around you happy. In the hot tub it is. We end up, oh, nah, this and that, oh, this and that. Get out of my hot tub. Get in my hot tub. And then the people you like in your hot tub, you start bickering with. Too close. Touching me. I don't like what you're wearing. It's too revealing. It's not enough. Get out of my hot tub. That's what happens. You follow me, church? We need to get to a place where we are hanging on to the very breath of the Holy Spirit. With that scuba diver or that snorkel with the breath in his lungs, that's what we're looking for. You can't do it without him in Jesus' name. The Bible says this. It says it in the very next verse. He took me. Please say that with me. One, two, three. He took me along the stream. I'm not asking you to do this by yourself. The Bible says, he took me by the stream. We cannot experience what I'm talking about without God. You can't experience it in any church without God. You cannot experience it without the Holy Spirit leading you. He must lead you. He must lead the way. He leads you into salvation. He leads you into healing. He leads you into depths. When he leads you, there are only two responses. Not one, not three, two. You can respond by repenting and following him. It simply means stop what you're doing now and pick your stuff up and follow him wherever he takes you. Or you can respond with rebellion and say, no, not for me. I'm going to go my way. You go your way. Every day we're facing the decision of what we're doing by the Holy Spirit. Are we going to repent or are we going to rebel? Here's the beauty. The scripture didn't end there. That's verse 3. Look in verse 4. It says, if you aren't watching, pay attention. It says, he brought me through the waters. Maybe you are finding yourself holding back on total commitment to the Lord because you are simply afraid that if you fully set at, sell out for him that you may drown. God will not fail you. He is faithful. He will take care of you. The Bible says he's our Jehovah Jireh. He's our Lord that provides. His provision, well, it's for your success in ministry. His provision is for your needs in every other aspect of life. For your protection and safe journey as you're on this deep swim with him. What about you right now? You hear the water? I think God's trying to tell us something. Are you still hanging out in shallow water? You know what happens when it rains when you're in shallow water? You get out real quick and you run into the house. You ever seen kids in deep water when it's raining? They don't care. They know it's even more fun. What are you doing about your commitment with the Lord? Some of us have not stepped into the water at all today. There may be those among us who are still questioning their walk with God. Some of us are at every stage that I described in this sermon. I ask you, let the river carry you wherever the Holy Spirit leads. Allow Jesus to have complete lordship on your life. There's no telling what victories lie ahead. 
Will you surrender all? Will you continue to walk in shallow water? The choice is yours. There's a song. It says, take me deeper. Step into the water. Go get deeper. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.